I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. 18 through 22. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I have another <clears throat> translation here. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do, <clears throat> do know that you are wretched, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I am going to preach just for however long I want to. All right? Will you please answer the door? Okay? Will you please answer the door? Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, please answer the door. Turn to your other neighbor and say, why didn't you do it? You may be seated. <clears throat> Preacher was telling about his dad who in the mid-1970s was a door-knocking insurance agent. And he used to tell him stories about how that he would go to someone's house and knock on the door, and they, of course, would never answer. And he said it didn't matter that you could hear them moving around in the house. He said they just wouldn't answer the door. And he said one time that he <clears throat> went to a person's door, and he knocked for a full 15 minutes. Fifteen minutes, he was, can you imagine that? You're on the other side of the door and you're trying to be quiet so that nobody will think that you're, you know, and you, this guy for 15 minutes pounds on your door. And he asked his dad, he said, why did you do that? He said, why would you wait that long or knock on the door that long? And he said, because this time, he said, I had something I desperately needed to give to them, that I desperately needed to offer them, bestow on them, to present to them. He said, I had something that was worthwhile and I was not going to leave until they answered that door. Now, in our text, God desires, He's the door knocker, and He desires to come and to have fellowship with me and you, but we have to do one thing first, and this is simplicity within itself, and that is we simply have to open the door. And, and Holman Hunt, many of you have seen this particular uh, picture, 
he has a he has a painting that says entitled a door with no handle and what the picture reveals is Jesus is standing on the outside of the house continuously knocking on a door with no outside doorknob and you see friend that's exactly what our hearts are there is no outside doorknob there is no way that Jesus is going to get in unless we open the door from the inside you see most of your problems are not because of somebody else most of your problems are not because of what you failed to do in any other way outside of failing to open the door that Jesus could come in and make a difference in your life I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost I don't care how many times you've been baptized there comes a time when you have to open wide the door and say here I am I need you to take over every bit of me God's not pushing on the door. He's not knocking the door down. But what He is doing and what He's been doing for some of us for years is patiently waiting on the outside for you to do something about it. How long is He going to stand there and knock? How long is He going to have to until you finally catch on and think, hey, if I let Him take over, my life will be easier. If I let Him take over, I won't have nearly the problems. And the problems I have, I know that I've got someone that's going to help me through it. Now, are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Got a handkerchief? Got a handkerchief? Well, I forgot mine. Give mine away for a prayer cloth. Who's got a handkerchief you haven't blowed your nose on? God. You will never want this back, I promise. All right. K. You should have R's on all yours, so I ain't borrow them. Oh, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. You know, and I really feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know... <clears throat> God knocks on your door through all kinds of circumstances. I want you to to bear with me. Look back on your week with me. Can you hear God knocking this week? When you look back on your month, can you hear God knocking this past month? When you look back on the year, can you hear God knocking this year? I, I want to ask you this right now, under my preaching... Do you hear God knocking on your door? Do you feel the convicting power in your heart right now? And you know that if I would just open up this evening and maybe do something like I have never done before, I could get something that I've never had before. There could be a feeling that began to generate within me through the power of the Holy Ghost that I could once again be the way that I used to be. That I could once again speak in tongues like I used to speak in tongues. That I could once again worship like I used to worship. That I could once again pray like I used to pray. That I could once again have fellowship with people like I used to have fellowship. Oh, my God. And every one of your dilemmas, and every one of your decisions, and every one of your distresses, and every one of your detours, and every one of your displeasures, and every one of your disappointments, there is a door. And on the other side of that door stands God knocking and shouting, let me in. Will you please answer the door? Will you please open up and allow me to come in and do the work that you've been asking me to do, but you've never opened up for me to do it? Why haven't my prayers been answered? It's because you've never opened the door. Why haven't you seen your family saved? It's because you've never opened the door. Oh. 
The sad truth is <clears throat> that the church of Laodicea evicted Jesus from their church. They kicked him out. It's like he wasn't doing enough, so you booted him out. It's like whenever I want to get something done in the church, I add one more thing to Brother Fox. Because he just gets in there and does it. It's because he's old like me. And we know that if you don't get in there and do it, that you'll fall asleep and you'll never get it done. <laughs> Jesus has been excommunicated from the Laodicean church. Jesus has been locked out of this church. Jesus... Has he been put out of your plans? Come on. It's one thing to come to church and go through the action. But has he been put in your plans? Do you sit in church on Sunday morning planning on what you're going to do on Sunday afternoon? And you come Sunday night simply because you feel like, well, that's what I've got to do and other people will just expect me there even though you're already planning on what's going to happen on Monday. Can you come to church one time and say, I'm going to open the door and let Jesus be the king of my life, going to be the Lord of my life to be in charge of my life let me ask you has the will of God been extinguished in your everyday experiences has Jesus Christ been kicked out of your camp is Jesus on the outside trying to gain admission trying to get inside I, I want you to notice something with me you know it took, it took me a little while to figure this out probably a lot of preachers had this done a long time ago but it took me a while Every other church mentioned in Revelations 2 and 3 was the Lord's church in that city. It says the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamos, Pergamos, I'm sorry, the church in Thyatira, the church in Sardis, the church in Philadelphia. But this church literally says the church of the Laodiceans. It didn't say the church in Laodicea. It said the church of Laodicea. In Laodicea, it was their church. It was their body. It was their money. It was their will. And it was not the Lord's church, not the Lord's body, not the Lord's money, and not the Lord's will. It was all about Laodicea. The very time that we're living in right now is that time. This is not your church. This is not my church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And when we evict Him out of here, we don't have church anymore. When we lose the anointing, we don't have anything anymore. We need Jesus in the church at all times. The second time, Jesus finds nothing good to say about this church. And why was that? It was because they did as they pleased. One thing that displeases the Lord is any time a Christian is pleased by doing what they please. It's, it's, that why, it's that why God can't find one good thing to say about you. Is that why? Because you do 
as you please so God can't find anything good to say about you? How about that? How about that Eldar down there at McCormick's Creek? Well, all he does is ride around on a motorcycle with a helmet on his head. He don't do anything else. He just does what he pleases all the time. You know, I told him to take that money and, and give it to the building fund. I told him to sell that motorcycle, give it to the building fund. But look at him, he does what he pleases. That's one way to get building fund built up. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, and everybody knows that. Is, is your way greater than Yahweh's? Is it? Is your way greater than Yahweh's? Does walking by sight make more sense than walking by faith? Jesus knows our works. Verse 15, you cannot dupe the divine. You can't fool him. You can't. You can do what you want, say what you want, be what you want, but you're not fooling Jesus one minute. He knows you're the one standing on the other side of the door saying, would you please go away? I know your works, he said, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would wish you were cold or hot. God knows why some of us won't answer the door. He understands it because God knows what we already know. And that is, that if we answer the door, we have to answer the call. We know God wants us to stop some of the things that we're doing on the other side of the door. And let me, let, me, let me pause for just a, a minute here. Let's look at some sin identification. Think about it with me. What's on the other side of the door that pleases you but displeases God? What's on the other side of that door that satisfies you but dissatisfies God? What's on the other side of that door that makes you smile but makes God, makes God cry? What is that? Why won't you open the door? Because I'm afraid that I won't get what I'm asking for. I'm afraid that it won't happen the way that that Robertson up there is saying it will happen. I'm afraid to come down front. I'm afraid to get prayed for for that chronic pain that I have because I'm afraid it won't leave. But you see, I'm here to tell you that it will leave because if God says it will leave, that's exactly what it will do. He doesn't halfway do anything. If in His Word, if He gives me a raiment, He says that's what He's going to do, then you've got to have the faith to step out and say, God, I'm the one that needs it. Three problems with this church. So then because you're lukewarm and they're cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Spew you out of my mouth. What are you going to say? Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. First, it always begins with the problem of possession. Always. We must submit to have authority. We must lose control to gain control. The problem with this church was a problem of possession. Who's in control of the church? Now, I had an option tonight of doing what God didn't. It's not that God wouldn't have blessed if we'd done church the same way. But he wasn't going to bless like he's going to bless now. I could have just sat back and said, you know, I really don't want to do this. I'm tired. I don't want to mess with it. I'm going to have to preach later. And if I go doing this and pray for people, I'm going to really be wore out. And the Eldar's going to throw me on the back of his motorcycle and take me home. <laughs> just happened to be on my left side. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just, you know, you just happened to be there. I've been trying to change. I always tend to go to the right, and so I'm trying to go to the left a little bit. See? So I'm going to jump back to the left. 
time I played basketball, they always figured it out because they always drive to the right. And whoever was there got mowed down, and they just didn't want to be there. So they, <laughs> you know, if we want God's best for our lives, we've got to be honest with God about what is wrong in our lives. What is wrong? Why can't I believe for me? Why can't I believe that God loves me enough and has enough mercy to take care of my individual problems? Why can't I believe that? We have to look at the problem. I could stand up here and tell you about all the other things that you would have. We could preach on the clothesline. We could preach on on everything that you already know was wrong. But really, that's not the problem tonight. The problem is your attitude towards what God can do in your life. That's why the door's not open. You sit on the other side out of fear, thinking that there will be a call, thinking that there will be something that doesn't happen for you, and people will think that you're some kind of terrible sinner, when all you need to do tonight is trust in the one that has called you by his grace, that has called you into a higher calling, that has filled you with his wonderful spirit, and you have put on his name or put on his name in water baptism. That's the one that loves you enough to save you. That's the one that loves you enough to take you to heaven. That's the one that wants to rapture you out of here one of these days. Why can't he do something for you tonight? That's why Jesus identifies himself as the faithful and the true witness. In other words, Jesus is not here to dilute the truth. Jesus is not here to distort the truth. Jesus is here to deliver unto us the truth. The truth. The truth not just about salvation, but the truth about ourselves and why we are the way we are. Now, whenever you get truth, you ought to respond to truth. Let me give you an easy response for you tonight that will help you to break through and open the door. It's just a simple word that you hear all the time, but I want you to understand it. Whenever you get truth, you need to respond by saying amen. Truth always breeds an amen. Because amen means it's settled in heaven. And if it's settled in heaven, it can be settled in your life. Jesus is the amen of God. Amen is the final word on the matter. Amen means there is nothing more to say. Amen is the last word after all the other words have been expressed. And if we want God's best for our lives, we've got to be honest with God about what is wrong in our lives. And if you know what I'm saying is the truth, someone ought to say what? Amen. Everybody ought to say what? Amen. I need this. I need to be cleansed. I need my mind purified. I need my heart open. I need Jesus to grab hold of me and shake me in every direction He could possibly shake me. Second, there was something wrong with their condition. They were neither cold or hot. You remember the church at Sardis? It was a cold church. The church at Philadelphia was a hot church. But here in Laodicea, it was a church that was neither hot nor cold. It was lukewarm. Now listen, when you're hot, you're close to God and everyone else can see it. When you are cold, you're far from God and you can feel it. You got that? But when you are lukewarm, you are away from God, but don't do a thing about it. Archaeologists discovered... 
an interesting fact about the city of Laodicea. This city obtained their water through two rivers, from a hot spring at Hierapolis and from a cold spring in Colossae. These two spring, springs, hot and cold, flowed through one aqueduct to bring lukewarm water into the city. The only thing lukewarm water was good for was for washing your hands. That's why Jesus does not want you to be lukewarm. Because when you are lukewarm, you're on the verge of washing your hands of everything that has to do with God. Who enjoys warm Pepsi, Coke? You know, I can truthfully say, a lot of people say, no, it didn't really matter to me one way or the other. I'm thirsty, I'll drink it whatever way it is. It doesn't matter. Now, on the next one, I, I do. I don't care for just warm coffee. I like it nice and hot. Uh-huh. But nobody likes anything lukewarm. They just don't like it. Restaurant managers train their servers to make sure that they keep adding hot coffee to coffee and cold ice water to water. They, they train them this way. And the why of this is the second law of thermodynamics is called an open system. It teaches that unless something is constantly added to what has already been added and poured in to that which has already been poured, that which is already poured in loses its zest unless they keep it up. Without more ice water to water, it becomes lukewarm. That's the law of an open system. Without more hot coffee to coffee, it becomes lukewarm. That's the law of an open system. That's why the church, the heart of, the ch heart of a child of God, cannot be a closed system. You are not going to get above the lukewarm unless something can be added to you every time you come to church. I come to church to get more hot poured in than already there. So it will stay hot. Somebody going to get something tonight? Come on, is somebody going to get something tonight? Somebody going to get something tonight? Mm. The moment you close your heart to the things of God, Word of God, will of God, way of God, all that has been produced in your life loses its zest. Everything. Everything that you have gotten up to this point, when you close your heart, it loses. It's gone. You cannot come to a church service and, and act on what you got last Sunday because you will get lukewarm and eventually you'll get cold. But if you come on a Wednesday service and get a little bit added and come to a Sunday morning, that's why you need to have church at least as much as we're having it. Do you hear me? Because we have to have it added to us every time we come. Tell yourself, self, keep yourself open to the Word of God. Closed systems die. Open systems live. The text declares in verse 16, lukewarmness makes God want to spew you out, vomit, regurgitate, throw up, whatever you want to say. Lukewarm worship makes God want to throw up. Lukewarm worship makes God sick. That's why we need the incense over the mercy seat here tonight. That's why we started the way we did. I mean, sometimes we need to start wide open. We need to start running and set the carpets on fire. Sometimes we just need to let God just, you know, because sometimes, listen to me, folks. Sometimes you need to stop just long enough to be able to open the door for God to come in. 
Okay, you've got to do that. I have seen people know for a fact, and not every, I, we don't have them here, but I've seen people who would get to running so quick that they'd run away from God. And you've got to be careful with that. You know, there's comes a time. Now, with me, I, don't, I can't run like I did. But with me, it's when I begin to feel God moving in my heart. That's when I really wanted to just get free because I felt free. But I also seen people, same way with praying for people. I've seen people that you prayed for, and you needed to, I've actually had people come behind to hold them up because they'd fall out every time you prayed for them. And the reason why is because they didn't want you praying for them. They'd come down and make a big show, but there was nothing there. And I remember one particular person, I had some people said, don't let them fall out. Hold them. We'll get that devil out one way or the other. You remember? No, maybe you weren't there. Uh, at Mario's church, you remember that woman that, that, that uh, I, can't, I can't remember if you were there or not. Uh, the whole church pushed her up to the front. She had a devil. She had a devil. And she, she came up to the front, and the whole church got behind her. They wouldn't let her back down. They tried to, she tried to fall. She tried to hit me. She tried to do everything. And finally, we broke free, and she started speaking in tongues. But they would not let her get away. So sometimes God has to capture you to get you. Let's let God capture us tonight, and then we can open up to him, and we can get what we need. Are you with me? Are you with me? Lukewarm commitment makes God want to throw up. Lukewarm, lukewarm, warm coffee, warm soda, in relation to your devotion to God makes him want to throw up. Now, has your commitment to God cooled off? It makes God want to throw up if it's cooled off. So how's your reaction to his will, his word, his way? Uh, has it been reduced to room temperature? If it does, it makes God sick. God does not get nauseated with a sinner. They're doing what they're supposed to do. That's exactly right. God gets nauseated at a child of God who claims to know him but won't follow him and refuses to live the life. That's what he gets nauseated at. God is saying, this child of mine makes me want to throw up. Can you imagine that? This child of mine makes me want to throw up. When they should know better. We're not talking about the new convert. We're not talking about the sinner. We're talking about the person that's been in church for years. And third, there was something wrong with their attention. The problem with this church is that they were caught up in thingdom and not in kingdom. When you get caught up in thingdom, you buy them new motorcycles instead of giving the... Sorry, just happened to be there, and they're in my line of sight, you know. I, I'm trying to get him opened up to do the right thing. That's what I'm trying to do here, preaching to Eldar. You know, he, he needs, you know how bad he is. Everybody knows how bad he is. You get on those motorcycles, and what's happened to you? You, all, you, become, you become one of them Harley guys. <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry, I just, uh, you know, when you get going, and I get feeling good, I can't help but get a little funny, just a little bit. My wife will chew me out later. It's okay. <clears throat> this sounds like the 21st century church, the kingdom instead of the kingdom. This sounds like our, our, our year, 21st century church, caught up in, in bling and things more than the king of kings. Bling and things more than the king of kings. I need to get caught up in who Jesus is. 
I, I need to not forget that, that I was called out of darkness. I need not forget that I know that Jesus Christ is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Ghost. We should never get tired of telling the world that we know who Jesus is, that He is the King. He is God incarnate. He is the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. He is everything that we need. And when you know that, things begin to open up in your life. Look at what Jesus says. He said, I want to counsel you. The counsel of Christ is to buy from me that which is free but not cheap. That's what he wants you to do. Buy from me that which is free but not cheap. That's what he's saying. Look how the Lord brings us back to him. The Lord said, I want you to buy from me gold that has been tried in the fire. Nothing makes God's people examine their priorities faster than going through the fire. Then you begin to see what's important. And there's not a child of God out there that has not gone through the fire. If you've not gone through the fire, let me reword that. If you've not gone through the fire, you're not worth anything yet. You've got to wait till you've gone through the fire in order for you to be worth something. And the more that you're worth, the more you're going to go through the fire. The more you're refined, the more you're going to be refined. The more that you are, are shining, the more that God is going to polish you. You've got to understand that that is the only way a child of God's going to live and be effective in this world. People have got to look at us and say, that person has gone through hell on earth, but they're still worshiping Jesus and that's going to make the difference of whether they want to do it or not. Visine. You might know what visine is, that junk you drop in your eyes. Visine clears your eyes up. It's got a disclaimer on the bottle that says irritation precedes illumination. It might burn before it gets brighter. It might sting before things shine. Everybody needs to carry a little visine in their pocket. Things are going to sting before they get brighter. That's just the way it was. And it just takes us all. We just go through it. All of us go through it a little differently. And all of us, you know, somebody might go through it for a few weeks, some, a few months. Some of us go through it for a few years. You know, but somewhere along, somewhere along the line, things are going to get brighter. The sting is going to quit. And we're going to be able to see what God has for us on the other side. Verse 19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove, I discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And God cannot, God will not, God never has, and God never will allow you to stay in a sad shape that you're in. He never will. He doesn't want you to stay in that sad shape. That's why you're here tonight. You're here tonight so that you may get some of the sting out and get some of the illumination. But you've got to open the door before that's going to happen. Verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke, chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. As the music begins, and you should already be up there, and you all should have been done it. You should have been reading my mind. We don't believe in that here. You should have, you should have discerned the spirit. <laughs> I, want to, I want to close with something I said earlier. God is saying, what you are doing makes me sick. It makes me want to spew you out, New International Version. Somebody tonight ought to rejoice that God has not spit you out. You hear me? You need to rejoice that God 
has not spit you out. That's mercy. That's mercy. And you'd be surprised how far mercy will take you. The Bible says that His mercy endureth forever. Forever. It's because of that wonderful mercy that you are here this evening. It's because of that wonderful mercy that you have the opportunity to get free of that chronic nagging and pain that you've got. That, that, that attitude of standing behind the door thinking God can't do it for you. God wants to do it for you. Let me finish up, but as I'm finishing, if you're that person or persons, come down here. Don't, don't, make me, don't, don't make me make an altar call. Just come. Just come. Behold, he said, I am, I am continually standing at the door. I am continually knocking on the door. God never gives up his efforts to enter the lives of those that he loves. He never, ever quits. That's why you went through what you went through. God is still knocking. That's why you're here tonight. God is still knocking. That's why you're listening to me preach right now. God is still knocking. Can I go ahead and testify that I'm so glad God never gave up on me. I am so glad that God is still knocking. Which let me know that He hasn't left me yet. Would you just repeat this after me? Would you do that? Would you say, I am glad Jesus is still knocking on my door. Yeah. Handles on the inside. Jesus knocks, but you got to open the door. Anybody here this evening? We got some down here. Anybody else that feels that that knocking? Anyone else that knows that you need something from God? That you know that you're not right? That you know that you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Let me ask you that. Do you know that you? That this could be your night, and you've you've sought and you've sought and you've sought, but it seems like you've never really been able to let go. And here tonight, you've heard preaching that lets you know that it's up to you to open the door. I'm gonna I'm gonna set this microphone down, and I'm gonna quit. But this altar is not gonna be shut down, and we're gonna pray with you. I'm gonna ask all the ministers up here. Find somebody, and I don't want you just to lay hands on them and pray uh, just a short prayer, but find out what they need and pray for them.